Hello, everyone. I'm April Sawarsa Rivera, and you are listening to The Wayfinder. I'm here today with Raya Bichadi, the founder and CEO of the School of Humanity, a breakthrough online high school reinventing what education looks like. Raya works with education providers, governments, investors, and ed tech companies to pave exciting, future-oriented pathways for our next generation of learners. She's been featured by the BBC as one of the most influential and inspiring women globally when it comes to her work in global education and moonshot thinking. Raya, it's truly such an honor to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I want to start with a phrase that you use to describe your approach, which is moonshot thinking. I've never heard that used before. And there's something expansive and hopeful that alludes to futures that we don't even know exist yet. And here at NISA, we are zeroing in on this theme of wayfinding as we navigate uncharted waters and the field of international education. And I was wondering if you could explain for our listeners what exactly moonshot thinking is and what role it might play in how we approach designing our schools. So moonshot thinking is not something I or School of Humanity invented in any shape or form. It actually is Google's framework for innovation. So Google has a department uh, called Google X or the moonshot factory, as they call it. And essentially, moonshot thinking's premise is that innovation is not about 10% improvements, rather 10x improvements. So moving beyond incremental changes towards uh, big leaps. And so why do we need moonshot thinking? It's because our world is just changing so rapidly. Um, we all know that you know emerging technologies, exponential technologies are having incredible impacts on our industries. And uh, we also know that this is driven um, by quantifiable effects. So if you've heard of Moore's law, it's, it's the theory that our, that, that our uh, computing power has been doubling every 12 to 14 months. The computers being used to make the computers are also doubling every 12 to 14 months. It's why it feels like the future is coming here faster and faster. And because of Moore's law, there's another um, idea from the futurist Ray Kurzweil. He calls it the law of accelerating returns. Says that in the next hundred years, we'll have twenty thousand years worth of human progress because of this kind of rapid acceleration of emerging technologies and the impact that has on society. So, with all of this kind of radical overhaul and changing pace of society, uh, moonshot thinking provides a framework and mindset that perhaps allows us to keep up. And it's the kind of thing where you describe yourself as an optimist, but. It can be a difficult pill to swallow. What kind of advice do you have for people who are ushering in this new era of change and how can they go about it? Right, right. Um, yeah, it can feel really um, daunting, unrealistic, right? Because the education system, especially compared to other systems in our world, has a really strong immune reaction to anything that's radically different than the status quo. I would say a lot of my optimism is fueled by several things. One, I think we saw during COVID that radical upheavals at a systems level is possible. Now, they probably didn't happen for the best reasons during a pandemic. But for example, in the UAE, they upskilled something like 14,000 educators on online learning within a week in order to prepare them for the shift towards uh, the lockdown, right? Uh, we also saw entire systems of education move online now. Probably it wasn't done very well in many cases, and we did have a big gap. However, it does it does 
it didn't make me realize that, you know, the kinds of change that we might need is possible. We just need to kind of do it again under better circumstances. Um, I think what I also encourage educators, schools to think about is sometimes changing the current system might feel really daunting. Then don't, don't change the status quo, create an alternative system. And this can even be done within the realms of an existing school. So for example, you might create an alternative pathway for your high schoolers to, uh, who don't want to do the traditional exam-based curriculum that would rather do something completely project-based. Or you might even start at a younger level to do an alternative innovative approach for the families that want something really different. And so some of the best approaches to this I've seen have come through this alternative approach. Uh, the last thing I'll share is that, you know, anyone that's been keeping their pulse on their fingers on the pulse of education knows that we are seeing a movement of schools and universities that are doing things differently. Uh, there's tons of examples from around the world of schools that are moving towards purely project-based learning, that are moving away from the traditional exam-based qualifications towards their own qualifications, that are moving away from uh, traditionally subject-based learning towards interdisciplinary curricula. There's tons of examples that I'm happy to speak to that really should be inspiring us that it is possible to move in that direction. Mm. And you've already touched upon this in your discussion of different forms of learning that are straying from exam-based. And I want to come back to us as learners, you and I, and the inspiration for a lot of the work that you do has to do with the disillusionment that you felt with your own schooling. I wonder what in particular didn't serve you and how has the creation of the School of Humanity been a remedy for some of those things? There have been several things there that didn't serve me. When I look back at my own uh, experience, not just in high school, but in university. Um, one was I was particularly a restless learner. I really struggled to sit down and listen for hours. <laughs> and I think a lot of a lot of learners today empathize with that. I needed to be doing, I needed to be learning by doing. Um, there's a really interesting idea to project-based learning that it's not necessarily scaffolded linearly. Sometimes you get a bit of scaffolding instructionally and then you dive in and you try it and you struggle and you come back to the scaffolding a little bit. And that's how I prefer to learn. If you try to make me sit through an hour of theory, I just could not do it. Um, so that was one. The other thing I really struggled with was the memorization. Um, I could hack it, you know, at some point in my life, I did have good grades and then I didn't, but, um, I just struggled to be motivated to memorize. It just didn't, it didn't drive me the same way as if you told me to solve a problem and then make a presentation about how I solved it. So that was a struggle. And then the third bit I really struggled with was the way we communicate success. Uh, the traditional report card really just measures one way of being smart, and it really measures your ability to perform well in a test under specific circumstances, under the premise that you can memorize a certain amount of information to be, to be able to apply them in that context. And I saw that myself and many of my peers, we were succeeding in lots of other ways that were not captured in the report card, whether it was our emotional intelligence or whether it was our ability to you know, do public speaking or analytical thinking skills, you know, uh, being able to um, launch an organization, entrepreneurial skills. None of those things were really captured in the report card. And really what the system was saying was those things are not as important because it all boils down to these grades that are determined by these exams. So those were some of the things I really struggled with. And uh, obviously, uh, when, when we launched School of Humanity, uh, you know, the team, the founding team shared a lot of my struggles with with the uh, with those 
features of the education system. So the way that we do things differently, uh, you know, going through one each one after the other, one is we learn by doing. All of our workshops are really interactive, uh, project-based, and learners do lots of interdisciplinary projects that guide their learning. In addition to that, uh, we don't rely on memorization. When we do have project-based assessments or even formative assessments, they're always open book in the sense that learners can Google answers. But then really what we're looking for is how they apply that knowledge to solve a problem um, and how they uh, apply it in a creative and interdisciplinary way. And then lastly, uh, we even reimagined how we report learning. So in addition to, let's say, a traditional GPA transcript, learners are building a portfolio of projects through the mastery transcript, which is, uh, you know, shows you all of the projects that a learner has worked on, tagged to the skills that they've attained through that experience. Um, and we also have things on the transcript that are more soft skills, uh, things like community service, things like product and venture building, emotional intelligence. We often get pushed back on why we put this, put these in the transcript. Um, and for us, it's simple. It's like these things are just as important, if not more important, than some of the hard skills that we traditionally put on a school transcript. Hmm. Raya, as we come to a close today, I wonder when you think about anchoring in on something throughout this conversation, what would be a good final note for our listeners? What kind of takeaway would you want our educators, parents, and students to walk away with? The biggest takeaway I think for me is that it's possible. <laughs> you know, I think oftentimes when we try to propose a uh, different ways of doing things, whether it's reimagining a report card or um, reimagining the curriculum itself and what we learn. Uh, there's obviously a lot of pushback and most of them come around practicalities like, oh, how will they get into universities or how will they, uh, you know, learn math and you know, all these questions around practicalities and realistic expectations come in. And, you know, I could share some examples that I think are really, really worth keeping in mind. So, uh, when it comes to schools around the world, again, we're part of a movement. Uh, there's the Green School in Bali where they decided not to adopt any of the qualification-based, exam-based curriculum. They created their own sustainability-focused curriculum. There is the famous Agora School in Netherlands um, where every learner has their own personalized curriculum. The educators are coaches. There are no lessons. It's all open learning environments and experiences. And I think there is a lot of scope for even schools that are, let's say, on the more traditional path to start experimenting with these tools, either in extra curriculars or partnering with schools like ours, or even beginning to pave their own alternative pathways. So that's the big message I would want listeners to take away. Thank you so much, Raya. Thank you for making time today. No worries. Thank you for having me. And thank you for raising awareness about this mission. There was one moment from my conversation with Raya that truly resonated. And it's when she mentioned that there are so many different ways to exhibit your intelligence. Students succeed in forms that might not necessarily be captured in a report card. Here's just one example of that from Mustafa a grade 8 student at the American School of Muscat in Oman. He took initiative and started a newsletter at his middle school. Here's Mustafa. Well, I started my newsletter because um, I always enjoyed being in a role of leadership. And unfortunately, um, I didn't get in student council this year. I had um, two years 
in a row last, um, prior. And um, I really wanted to be a leader and share with others. So I decided to start a newsletter um, because I noticed there was no student newsletter in the middle school. And um, I put together a team, so people volunteered. And now I have a team of 22 people and we work together every month to issue um, a newsletter and it's been going so good, so yeah. We kind of um, talk about what's happening in the middle school, some opportunities for students, the sports that's, that are occurring in the middle school. Um, we give like a student perspective on um, what's interesting to us, so like movie and book recommendations and maybe like sites to see in Oman, so it's really cool. Thank you so much, Mustafa. You inspire us. That's all for today, folks. To stay up to date with all things The Wayfinder, log on to our page under what's happening at nisacenter.org. We'll be back with a new episode next month. Until then, stay curious and take care. <laughs> <laughs>